The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Major Spoilers podcast. So glad you could join us on this Saturday. This week we're going to be talking about movies again. A bit different this time. First of all, Rodrigo, I would like to uh, hear your thoughts on the Scott Pilgrim movie that you went and saw. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to see it. I almost went, but then that little thing in the back of my mind said, you know, you really have a lot of work to do. This you is know, a busy week. You Don't really haven't see seen your wife and child in about two weeks. They were already asleep. I was <laughs> going to go to the 9 o'clock show, but 10 o'clock show. So tell us about Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. It was pretty great. Um, there were things that I liked better in the book. There were things that I actually liked better in the movie on account of it being movie talky people. Yeah. Um, but all in all, it was an it was an enjoyable experience. I didn't walk out of it like say out of the last Airbender when I was like, oh, why did they do this to the franchise? <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I walked out of Scott Pilgrim saying, "Hey, that was pretty good." There were some things that I would have done differently, right? But they haven't given me a movie since I screwed up the uh, Scrubs adaptation because I made it a black and white drama ah, okay. in Italian. So was it uh, was it worth, I mean, uh, was it a good adaptation? Did they oh, yeah, change definitely. a lot of stuff or did it follow pretty much? They, they definitely took a cleaver to a lot of it. Um, not the vital stuff, but I mean, there's entire characters that are basically not even there mm. that get some amount of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get to know um, Envy and... Todd and the other chick from the Clash of Demon Head right. pretty well in the books. In this one, she like the, their drummer is basically not even there. Oh, really? And Envy never gets her upshot moment. She's basically just a villainess for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, some stuff that happens to certain characters gets transposed onto other characters because those other characters right, are, are more prominent or whatever. So did it have the same ending as Volume 6? Because that was part of the problem. Is no. they, were in, they were shooting before... Brian Lee O'Malley actually finished volume six. You know, it didn't have the, it, like, the last frame is the exact same as the last panel oh, of okay. Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. But that, you know, the, the final battle and resolution with Scott and Ramona was actually pretty different. Okay. Um, they did uh, this thing in the movie that I thought was excellent and, you know, was possibly better than the lead-up in the book. Right. Um, which is that, um, and, and, you know, spoiler alert, um, you know, in the book, he gets killed. Right. And then he has that extra life. Right. In the movie, he gets killed and he has that extra life, but he has to start over from basically the last point where he saved. Oh, really? So you see the last, uh, I don't know, eighth of the movie again but this time he knows exactly what's going to happen basically so he's just running through and it's just like this faster funnier more action-packed version of what you just saw oh that's funny it is it it was really solid and then as far as i'm concerned they kind of screw it up because they they never have that fight between ramona and knives and they kind of save it till the end and then instead of ramona and scott fighting Gideon 
it's Scott and Knives fighting Gideon. Oh, okay. Um, and then at the end, even though it, you know, it's Knives that helps him fight, she's like, "No, you should go with Ramona," and he goes with Ramona. Mm. And it felt weird because why would they even bring Knives back into it just to do that? It felt weak. Um, but really, that's about my only complaint. The music is really solid. Um, I think my new favorite band probably is The Clash of Demon Head. Okay. Um, although their their songs are done by Metric, which is a fantastic band. Um, Beck has songs on the soundtrack. Basically, Sex Bob-Omb's songs are Beck's. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he wrote them. Um, those aren't the best in my book because they made them purposefully sloppy because they're like this really grungy you know, mm-hmm. just all over the place band. And sometimes it seems that they went into a recording studio and deliberately dirtied them up, oh, yeah, which yeah. makes them sound a little bit less good, honestly. Mm-hmm. If they had just, you know, maybe toned down a little bit, it would have been good. Um, the special effects are spectacular. The music's great. Um, the casting's fantastic. You know, Brandon Ro- Roth, um, yeah. Chris Evans, all of those guys are just Stellar. really, really inhabit those characters. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, really about the character that seems the least like their incarnation is Scott Pilgrim. Because Michael Sarah does bring that kind of wimpiness to him. Mm-hmm. Which Scott doesn't really have. He's like, he's, he's stupid. Yeah, he's and stupid, he's, but he's uh, still cool. Yeah, he's stupid cocky. and he's cocky. And he's a nerd. But he never really comes across as a wimp. And Michael Sarah really brings that, although it does, you know, if you haven't read the books, it does give you that sharper turn of, oh, this guy can actually fight. Right, right. Kind of thing, which, you know, the book sets up pretty well as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. I, was, uh, I was curious, how full was the movie theater when you went? Um, Packed? Standing room only? People sitting in the aisles? I went on Sunday, on, on the Sunday after it sure. opened, and it wasn't standing room only, but it was. There were a lot more people there than I expected. Prime Prime Theater or one of the side um, three through eight theaters. It was eight. Really? Yes. So you were in the little closet. Um. It was well. It was like it's the, the one first all the way. Down no, 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 no. Because they because it numbers oh, that's and right. snakes okay. back around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. They so it was actually yeah. It, it was, was like the, the one big... right when you walk okay, in. The there's one, one, and then on the other side there's eight. Okay. okay so I okay. went into eight. Okay. So it was one of the bigger theaters. Yeah, it was one of the. Bigger well, that's ones. good then. It's it's surprising though because um, the movie just did not do well at the box office really? in that opening weekend. I think it got third or fourth. I want to say mm-hmm. a lot of people really surprised about this, and some other people who. Obviously, are not surprised going that. Well, we saw this coming. I mean, Scott Pilgrim is obviously the death of the comic book movie, of course, because you can look and see a year ago or a year and a half ago or whatever it was, Watchmen bringing in 150 million and Scott Pilgrim barely being able to bring in 48 million. People are not interested in comic book movies. Yes or no? Oh, that's uh, that's ridiculous. Why? Because Scott Pilgrim is a movie based on a comic book that's based on comic books and video games. I mean, Scott Pilgrim is actually a surprisingly complex work. Um, And it's just, it's like saying, oh, well, people aren't going to go see, I don't know, um, Dracula, like the latest version of Dracula, because the Scarlet Letter didn't do that well, and people are tired of literary adaptations. That's ridiculous. 
or saying, you know, oh, the A-Team didn't do that well. There will never be a TV-to-film adaptation again. People don't understand that comic books are a medium. Right. They're not Superman. They're not Batman. They're not superheroes specifically. You know, same thing with video games. Oh, you know, the Mario Brothers movie did terrible. There will never be another video game movie ever, ever, ever again. See, Mm -hmm. they're terrible. It's, It's idiotic. It's... It's completely throwing away not even a whole genre, but a whole series of genres. Sure. Well, I don't think that it's a complete... I don't know if they're really saying this is the death of comic book movies, but you have to be honest, and we I think we alluded to it in, in Tuesday's show, that uh, there are a lot of movies based on comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, um, not American Psycho, the... Um, from Hell. From Hell. Road to Perdition. Road to Perdition. Um, what was the other one? The violent one. Uh, gosh, I can't even think of the name of it off the top of my head. Matthew, do you remember? Kick-Ass. No, That's no, no. Pretty not violent. Kick-Ass. It, it came out. It's it's one that you watch the movie and you're like, oh, I didn't even know that that the was. History of Violence? History of Violence. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, but the, uh, the thing that I think they're talking about is in the last couple of years, the theaters and especially the big tentpole films have been these big comic book based films mm-hmm. right i mean just so many packed in i mean throw out you know your hand and you could probably count about 20 of them right. in the last year easily uh but i think what they're saying is hey this kind of shows that maybe people have kind of become a little worn out with this constant pandering of this is a comic book movie brought to life on the big screen and so people are starting to die off i don't agree i mean i agree with you i don't agree that this is the end of the comic book movie i d- i'm not even sure if this is the lull in the comic book movie. But, are, I mean, are they basically saying superhero movies? No, I think they're saying any movies based on comic books. Because, quite frankly, from all of the special effect shots that I've seen from this, mm-hmm. it goes way over the top. Almost Scott and, Pilgrim? Yes, yeah, Scott oh, Pilgrim. Yes. Almost to the point where, um, I don't want to say it's Biff Bam Pow, 60s Batman stuff. Right. But I can see how a lot of people looking at this oh, yeah, would instantly think, well, that because, reminds me of that Batman because stuff. Because they actually in the 60s. haven't read comic books right. and don't realize that right. that's where it comes from. Right. And so they're saying, oh, that's that silly stuff from the 60s. How mm-hmm. dumb. I'm not going to this movie. Right. I don't think that that's it. I'm just, uh, you know, I guess the question is, and Matthew, jump in, have audiences been <laughs> kind of overburdened with comic book movies and in this case, probably superhero-typed movies because we see a lot more of those, although the upcoming Red movie is based on a comic book, um, several others based mm. on, on comic <clears throat> books. If people are just tired of these kinds of comic book movies, just like we don't see John Grisham I, movies as much anymore. Hmm. I don't think they have, but I think that enough people believe they have that the conventional wisdom is that it's happening, and so people believe that it's happening, and as such, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, conventional wisdom has been for a while. I mean, we've heard this from the last three comic book adaptations. Watchmen didn't hit as big as it as it as it should have. Is this the end of the comic book movie? Everything since Dark Knight, anything even vaguely related to the comic industry, has been heralded as the death knell of the comic book movie. And first of all, comic book movie is a meaningless meaningless misnomer yes because uh american splendor was a comic book movie Ghost and it has about as much in movie. common exactly has about as much in common with watchmen as the monkeys do with irving berlin in that they both appear in recordings that sometimes show up on wax 
So, I mean, saying that Scott Pilgrim, A, is a comic book movie is ridiculous. But what it is, is a movie that reminds people of what they think comic books are supposed to be like. Well, the Pow Biff Pam. All of these are comic book movies. They're all based on comic books. I'll bet you, if you go and you asked some of these people to name, you know, chronologically backwards all the comic book movies, they'd throw Hancock in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which isn't the comic right, book movie. It's right. just a superhero movie, right. for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's Incredible like, Hulk would be in there. You know, be- they are saying, when they say comic book movies, they mean superhero movies. Yeah, and yeah. I bet you they would, they would in fact, skip no, American you know, Splendor teach, and From uh, You know, I teach a class on comic books translated to film. And the students are often surprised when we bring up mm-hmm. um, History of Violence, when we bring up Road to Perdition, when we bring up Ghost World, when we bring up all of these, and they're like, I didn't know that was a comic book movie. Men in Black, they don't know that that was right. a comic book movie. Really? Whoa, I didn't know that. Um, so, you know, there is there is that sense. But yeah, maybe here we're talking, and maybe that's what, I mean, I'm not saying it, but they, the people like uh, those at the LA Times, uh, are saying that superhero movies are... Uh, that's it. We're done with them. People are tired of them. People don't want to see them. Well, and they get paid to say stuff like yeah. that. Because then when they're right, they're exactly. like, see, we that's... told you. And when they're wrong, nobody cares. <laughs> that's punditry bullshit, quite frankly, because there is no such thing to me as a comic book movie. There are movies that are adapted from comic books, and there are movies that remind people of comic books. People would call Heroes a comic book show. But people said the same thing about Lost. Is Lost a comic book show? Well, no, not really. It only has tangential connections to anything related to comic books, but it has that sort of feel, that that pulpy sort of, this is, this is the way it should go. This is how a comic book would be. Mm-hmm. If you watch that first season of... Um, ah, damn it. Now I lost it. Flash forward. There was, <laughs> there's v. A sh- Flash no, Gordon. The other thing. Buck no, Rogers. The other thing. No, uh, the other thing, um, the bionic woman. Thank you. Uh, People welcome. would say, is that a comic book TV show? No. Battlestar Galactica. Is that a comic book TV show? No, that's I a think sci-fi people show. would say probably. I think that people would say that, but that's just me. I have a problem with the term comic book movie because what it really means is fistfights and guys in suits. And I think that when people are saying, oh, this is the death of the comic book movie, first of all, they're being jackasses. But second of all, what they're saying is movies that are overtly about superheroes that people know are about comic books haven't done as well as they could have the last couple of years. And maybe it's time to find some other industry to rape and pillage well, and steal all of our ideas from. And, and the thing is, Matthew, yeah, you're right. You may not consider these comic book movies, but... You're also not the one who's funding these movies. And as I mentioned a moment ago, you don't see a whole plethora of John Grisham movies being turned uh, up onto, onto the uh, screen every year like we did 10 years ago. When is it he still like, writing, though? I don't, I don't know if he is. Or Tom maybe, Wolf. Maybe, Take, they, maybe they ran out yeah, of Tom Yeah, maybe they could Grisham have. Well, it's time, it's time to, to, uh, to do some remakes then. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't see the Tom Wolfs in the, in the uh, John Grisham movies as much anymore because Hollywood has moved on. They've said, hey, here's this other place where we know we can tap into this market. I was talking to Rodrigo before uh, the show that uh, uh, when I worked in one industry, it was a very closed market. But then suddenly we said, hey, what if we start talking about this other industry? And suddenly we had a whole new realm of things to work with. 
This is exactly the way Hollywood works. Hey, well, let's uh, let's go pillage as many great bestsellers as we can on the New York Times bestseller list. Option those for movies. Make a big deal out of it. Make sure that the people who are who we're marketing to know that this is an adaptation of a book. And then after that goes its course for about 10 years, then they say, hey, Hollywood, uh, we need something new. A lot of these books are movies that we've been making lately haven't been uh, doing so well in the box office. We need to find something different, something, hey, comic books. Those have been around for a long time. Hey, what are people doing? Oh, remember that Batman movie from 89? That did really well. Let's try to do that again. Boom, 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 boom. And so then Hollywood just wants to jump on anything that is a new comic book property. And they do, oftentimes snatching up uh, books and properties before they're even published. Yeah, I mean, look at uh, Radical Publishing. They've sold a lot of books before they've seen the light of air. Well, uh, Platinum Studios got the movie deal because they hyped um, uh, Cowboys and Aliens to a few comic book shops that reported on uh, sales, which caused it to jump up in the Entertainment Weekly Top 10 or whatever, which got people to notice, and then that got Hollywood a calling. So now Hollywood is, oh, comic books, comic books, comic books, let's get on everything comic books, until we get to a point where the comic book, quote-unquote, comic book movie, as Hollywood perceives it, uh, suddenly is not as profitable as it once was, and now they say, Hollywood says, now we got to find something else, hey, Snickers bars. There aren't enough movies about Snickers bars. And you think I'm joking, go and look at the number, watch the Major Spoilers website because we talk about it all the time, the number of classic board games that are being turned into movies. Yeah. I mean, Battleship, um, Stratego, Viewmaster, for God's sake, is being turned into a movie. Stretch Armstrong is getting a movie. I mean, mm-hmm. they are grasping at straws on this thing, trying to find the next best thing. And whatever works, if it does work, will be this this what they go to this is what they will will go after until they get interested in something else and they move on and all it takes is for a movie that they perceive to be a big hyped movie to suddenly not do as well in the box office and they will move on now that being said expendables i believe was number one and that is a movie based on a comic book (gasps) or vice versa i forget which way it went dynamite had it out Hmm. um so i mean i don't think we're going to see the com- movies based on comic books go away anytime soon, but I think we might see fewer and fewer big, uh, heavily budgeted movies based on comic books start to slide away. Only because that's the way Hollywood thinks. Hmm. Give it five years, they'll be back. Well, and, and really, what happens with any quote-unquote genre, and really this is superheroes yeah. that we're talking about, I think. Um, you know, it's like Westerns. You know, nobody. There's not a big crazy fever for westerns, but now they use westerns to do other things. I guarantee. I, I will bet in the next four years we will start to see more cowboy movies because of the success of um, Red Dead Redemption. It could be. I mean, look at uh, you know, it's like the cowboy movie now is a way to tell a story that just happens to have cowboys. Three Ten to Yuma. The Assassination of Jesse James. Yes. You know, all of those movies yes. aren't like, guy rolls into town, cleaves yeah, out some varmints, yeah, yeah, yeah. rides back out of town, yeah. play double cross, whatever. Right. No, it's not that. There's always going to be a fluctuation in the market and in the industry of right. what genres are, are popular at that time. There are no, there are basically no movies about mobsters right now. And there are, really, there are not a lot of movies that are set in space. Yeah. I mean, when Star Wars hit, 
Well, I mean, there's always been space movies, but yeah. when Star and Wars hit, and that's really the boom. Thing. Look at the huge rise of all of the the Star the uh, space based movies, and look how they've declined. Over exactly, the- and nowadays you get a movie like Pandorum or whatever, where it's like it's just a horror movie set in the future in space. Right, right, right. So, um, anything else you'd like to add, Matthew? You just think they're all jackasses? Eh, I, it's all cyclical. I think that saying that there won't that comic book movies are are dead is like saying that slasher movies are dead or teen coming of age movies are dead or musicals are dead. Every time they say this, uh, you know, a, a saw comes along or a Moulin Rouge comes along or a Batman 1966 comes along, changes everything, and then they'll rip that off for about five years and then we'll find something new to go with. Yeah, you know, and that's that's just how Hollywood works. I mean, that's just. It's just like a dog with with a toy, or my son with a toy. Mm-hmm. He'll play with a toy for however long, 30 minutes, an hour, and then something catches his attention, and it's, that toy's tossed away, and now I'm going to play with this nonstop until I'm bored with it, and then I'll go on to something else. Hollywood is really a big child when it comes down to, huh. comes down to it. So, so hopefully that, uh, for people that have been commenting about that, and I... I don't know if anybody's commented specifically over on the Major Spoilers forum or on the Major Spoilers website, but I have seen a lot of negative comments in and around the entire webs over and, the last and, and couple you know, of weeks but these, where people are saying, that's it, that's it, pack These, up, these comments out. have been coming before anybody saw the movie. Right, and that's the They're other thing, like, too. Oh, lordy, lordy, is Scott Pilgrim <laughs> is going to wreck it. We've got a couple this of... This is uh, the end. Look at how ridiculous this movie looks. Well, have you read the actual comic? No. Uh, yeah, are you going to go see the movie? Do you Don't understand, do you understand what this movie is about? No. I just know that that guy screams at me, an oil pump explodes, and he steals my milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's about, right? Yes. Handlebar mustaches. <laughs> the handlebar mustache movie is dead. <laughs> I will see no more handlebar mustache movies forever. No, that's the same thing that happens with, and I'm really, you know, I... People, um, you know, I can look at a trailer, for example, like uh, the Monsters trailer, which is up on the Majorspoilers.com website, and I can say, ooh, that looks like an interesting movie, just like I looked at District 9 and said, ooh, that looks like an interesting movie that I might like to go see. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people will look at the trailer and say, and I'll do the same thing, ah, that, that doesn't right. interest me. But I'm not about to say, oh, that mm. movie sucks because I've seen that trailer, mm-hmm. and it's got to be the worst movie ever because of that trailer. It, it, can, it surprises me that people aren't... Uh, I don't want to say closed-minded, but they're not really thinking broad terms. You're not – yes, some movies you can watch the trailer and you can go, I just saw the best three minutes of the entire movie right there on the screen. But, you know, we've got these um, Green Lantern supposed leaked production images of Kilowog and and Bzzd on the site. Mm. And uh, supposed – uh, and people are like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. I'm not going to see this movie because it looks terrible. You haven't. You've seen one film out of a million frames in the oh, film. Yeah. You have no idea what's going on in those in those but still images. People people have the right to hate things on dubious oh, people, and senseless people reasons. Can, I mean, people can hate it's, all they want. It's the reason there is an internet. It's the reason why we have this job every Tuesday and Saturday is because people go on the internet to share pornography and yell at each other. And I look at that still, and I'm like, you know. I could do that. You give me a few hours to render. I bet you I could come up with something like that. And, you know, the giant wasp is the scariest thing I've ever seen in movies ever. But then I'm allergic to wasps. But that's not the point. I think the point is that if you look at that one frame 
and that or that one still, and you decide that this is not for you. And this is a mean thing to say, and I kind of have the same theory. You know, if I wrote something and somebody looked at one one paragraph or one little picture or something, and they're like, "Well, this isn't for me," I'm like, "Well, good riddance." If that one image turns you off to the entire possibility of a Green Lantern movie, eh, F it. Go watch your Wheel of Fortune and be done with it, you know? You are not the target audience at this point in time. But I think the vast majority of these people just want to hate and hate and hate so they can say, this is going to be the worst movie ever. And then if it tanks next year or whenever it comes out, you can say, I told you this was going to be the worst movie ever. But is that... Preemptive hatred. Yeah, but isn't that just what causes a movie to fail? Is my friend told me that this be. movie was going to suck, and, and, and then it's, my friend of a friend told me, and I've heard from a lot of people that this movie is going to suck, so I'm not even going to see it. I, I mean, Transformers Two, right? Pretty successful. Yeah, yeah. Sucked. Yeah. It it's completely unrelated. Yeah. It's just it, it's a matter of hype. Everybody and knew a movie can be assassinated ahead of time. Right. What about that Wolverine movie? Wolverine Origins, yeah, where, do they, well. where they well, I, I think it did okay. I mean, they're making mm-hmm. a sequel of it, and it's yeah. getting ready to go into production. And the um, I thought it did really well. It it did really well, but I mean, was it good? The big thing that that uh, Hollywood was all upset about was, oh my gosh, someone leaked it on the internet before it was even done, and now everybody's saying how bad the movie is because they're seeing the the movie out of context without special effects. And oh my gosh, we're going to have to find the people that did this and sue them into infinity because they've made us lose money. Mm-hmm. I don't think the movie lost money, actually. No. So I, I, I think there is something, you know, I like doing the, um, the advanced reviews. Mm-hmm. When we can, and I try to keep those spoiler free because I don't want to ruin somebody's uh, hope or uh, you know going out and saying, "Oh, I was really hoping to buy that book, but now I read this, so I'm not going to read it." I'll tell you whether it's a good or bad book, but I'm not writing the review to substitute you going out and buying that good or bad book. If if I say, "Hey, this is a book to buy," right. I want you to buy it on Wednesday. Go buy it. Um, but if it's a bad book, I want to say, "Hey, you may not like this book." Yeah. But at the same time, you know, when these leaks that come out and people are basing it on. This one out of context experience. production still, yeah. It, I don't know. I think it. I think those kinds of things are fun to look at, but I think people blow them way out of proportion. I, and and honestly, it's just. I mean, in the end, yeah, they can. You know, that kind of thing can hurt a movie. It can hurt ever having a sequel or whatever. But really, it's just your own liver. If you want to go online yeah. and see a still from a movie or you know from thor and think that it looks too plasticky and you want to rant and rave about it then that's fine and that's that's just your own rage mm-hmm. you know that that you are more than entitled to feel as a human being yeah i guess but well um, I, I you know when those thor pictures came out i don't remember i may have said something eh, it kind of looks plasticky to me but i wasn't saying and thus this is going to be a terrible movie right. I, and I also think when the other stills came out, a lot of hey, people I want to see, yeah, see what, I, you know, hey, now that I've seen some other images and I've seen what the post looks like and I've seen this extended trailer, yeah, now this looks pretty cool. And, and you know, it's like Iron Man. I, when Iron Man first was, was getting ready to go and they were showing stills, everybody was like, that looks too shiny. Right, right. That armor right. looks totally fake. And, you know... A lot of people were complaining about it, and it must have been just statistically speaking, a lot of the same people just peeing their pants when they first saw the Mach One armor, like just like explode out yeah, of the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Out, of out of the, the containment cave. unit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 
So it, it, and and it turned out to be a spectacular movie that revitalized comic book movies. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah! You know, it's just everybody just wants to shout savior or or mm. Satan at everything. It's yeah. like Scott that, Pilgrim, that... you have doomed movies, which would be an, kind of an awesome thing if they ever did a sequel. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim dooms all comic book movies. Well, but I think fun. that that's what people, and you're right, Matthew, I think maybe that's what a lot of people think the internet is for, is to just go out there and bitch and gripe and and troll and, and I don't know, yeah. do things because well, they can, and they have a right the, to do that, but I just, I, I just am constantly right surprised. Right is probably the wrong word. Well, I'm constantly surprised by the number of people who seem so not open to, hey, why don't you give it a chance, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Well, there's a lot of different reasons to love what we love. And it's hard to, you know, it's really hard to take this into account. But a comic book fan isn't going to like the same things. A comic book fan could be someone who really digs Batman. Or a comic book fan could be someone who really digs Roy Thomas's writing. Uh, somebody put up, in fact, it was Gatekeeper, put up the, the stills of Thor and Loki, the same ones that you put up. Right. And put them up on their Facey Space page. And somebody responded to that with what I consider to be one of the most telling comments ever, which was, all I care about is whether Loki has horns on his helmet. Yeah, there's a lot of people that said that. That's the point, though. But if Loki didn't have horns on his helmet, that person would call this movie a horrific failure. Just like when they launched Agents of Atlas, I was ready to hate it. You know why? Because it's not your Agents of Atlas? No 3D man. The original What If story had the 3D man, who's my favorite of those characters. But Agents of Atlas is probably the best title Marvel is putting out right now. One of my favorite books every single month, even without the 3D man, to the point where when they brought the 3D man in, having initially gone, no 3D man, this is going to suck, I was kind of like, wow, the 3D man really changes the dynamic. I'm not sure if I love this as much, but, you know, I'll... It comes to a point where what you enjoy can be really, really weird. Mm -hmm. You know, what you can remember, my favorite Batman moment is there's a moment in the 70s where he's drawn by Neil Adams and he's having a fist fight and he's being a detective and he's being all awesome, right? He's doing the this, this standard issue Batman things, right? Mm -hmm. And he, he comes up against a guy who doesn't speak English. And Batman, in Batman fashion, leaps out, lashes, punches this guy in the face and says in perfect Spanish... You will answer my questions if you value your beautiful teeth. And I, at that moment, I'm just like, holy crap, Batman speaks Spanish. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is inherent to the character. Not, you know, 15 minutes to beat anything, but Batman is prepared. Batman is smart. Batman knows things that you don't. Batman knows how to speak really, really good Spanish if he needs to. That's not, you know, that's not inherent to anyone's or to anyone else's thought process on the character but if i ever write batman he's gonna by god speak perfect french perfect spanish maybe a little bit of swahili i don't know well let me ask you this then because you know a lot of people get hung up on if this movie doesn't feature this story plot mm -hmm. or if this story if this movie doesn't have loki's horns in it then i'm going to be miffed what about you know the casting the comics casting couch has always been under a lot of fire because of who we would cast in right. this oh well that that person has right. blonde hair, and that's a redheaded person. There's no way that I could accept that. Right, right. Uh, hair dye, wig, etc. How how important is it for um, 
the actor to quote unquote look the part. And just announced this past week, January Jones now officially cast as Emma Frost in the X Men. She got blonde hair and probably a nice rack. Uh, does that make her Emma Frost? Well, could we just put uh, could we just depends. put any blonde Playboy playmate in there and say that's Emma Frost? Well, sure. No, because she has to do a fake. She has to do a fake English accent with her nose in the air. Yeah, I that mean, to me is Emma Frost. It's it's interesting that people are much more willing to accept somebody who looks who looks like the character, but can't pull the character off than the other way around. Well, and that's what I find so amazing is well that person looks nothing like Tony Stark. Because I remember Tony Stark from Demon in a Bottle, and that's how Tony Stark looks. Uh, wait a minute. How many artists have taken on Tony Stark over the years? What we know is he has black hair, a mustache, and a solid build. Yeah, and right? when he's drawn and by Mark Bright, he has the worst mullet of all time. And yet, that's how Tony Stark looks in my head. A mullet and big red and silver armor that looks like Optimus Prime. So could you not get anybody? Could not uh, Tom Selleck in his prime have been Tony sure, Stark? sure. No. And 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 really you can't pull off the mullet. You can't <laughs> you can't necessarily do that because a lot of my favorite renditions of characters are drawn by like Joe Madureira or Chris Bachalos as like clearly this guy could not play <laughs> Professor like Xavier. Humans. Yeah, because his nose doesn't originate from the back of his head and doesn't protrude a foot out in front of his face. Right, right. You you and couldn't you couldn't cut glass with his chin and her breasts exactly. aren't visible from across the street. So right. why do people well, get so worked up over over the casting of somebody that well that person obviously doesn't look anything like I, Steve Rogers? Just because they want to get mad. I, I think, think it's simple. I think it's really simple. Comic books and you know to an extension other media, but comic books especially require our complicity to work because. If I read a Captain America story drawn in 1966 by Don Heck with a script by, by Larry Lieber, and I read a Captain America story written in 2004 by Ed Brubaker with art by Luke Ross, there is no correlation at all except for there's a blue costume with an A on the chest. They don't look alike. They don't act alike. Don Heck's art is so completely different in its pr production values, but – it's still Captain America because my mind fills in the blanks. It's that Scott McCloud theory of my mind interacts with and fills in the time spaces in the panels. And it right. takes it for granted that because the Hulk is this shade of green wearing these purple pants, whether he's drawn by Herb Trimpey or Dale Keown or, Je or Jeff, uh, or what's his name? McGinnis, Steve McGinnis, Joe McGinnis, the guy who draws him. Terry McGinnis. You mean Ed, Ed McGinnis. McGinnis. Yeah. Ed yeah. McGinnis, those three guys draw completely different Hulks, but right. I fill in the blanks and say it's the same character because I'm a part of the process. Whereas when a movie is made and Ang Lee fills in the blanks for me, I don't like it as much. And lots of people don't like it as much. Whereas if somebody else goes in and they get the kid from American History X to go in and play Bruce Banner, people like it a little more. I think it's Especially in comics, it's something where your personal reading of it, the speed at which you read the book, the depth that you give the book, where you read it, how you read it, what's going on in your life when you read it, have a lot more impact on your appreciation of a book than, say, a movie. A movie is in a darkened theater surrounded by strangers. Right. I will say this again, and I think I've said it before. Hollywood doesn't give a crap 
about the X-Men. Hollywood doesn't give a crap about Batman. Hollywood doesn't give a flip about, you know, uh, history of violence, right? What Hollywood cares about is how they can put butts into seats. And how are they going to put butts into seats? Well, they're going to cast somebody that is hot and popular. So if that means they're going to cast one of the Jonas Brothers as Spider-Man because they know that it will bring in everybody who loves the Jonas Brothers, then they will make that decision. It's not going to be a matter of, well, this person looks the part as opposed to this person does not look the part. We're going to get somebody that can act and do a good job and put the butts into the seats. Although really you have to hand it to them because they have figured out that if it is if it just straight up completely looks like a maneuver like that, people m- will actually reject it. Uh, to Say, an for example, putting uh, Lindsay Lohan in a love bug uh, movie. <laughs> I don't know if people rejected that movie uh, because she was still relatively young and not hoary and coked up at the time. I think that was kind of a, wasn't that, that a was little her, bit like, of a comeback that movie? That was her first kind of like adult film mm. from being a young kid. So it's don't like, call Lindsay, it a comeback and don't call it an adult film. Lindsay Lohan, as you've never seen her before, all grown up and ready to have fun with the love bug. Um, so you know they digitally had to reduce her bust in that movie, probably. So yeah, I think that's they what did. Hollywood has Seriously? to think about is how do we put? Yeah, Disney in the went in and digitally reduced her breasts in several scenes because they felt that it was. Um, I believe the explanation was that it was not the wholesome look that they were looking for. Oh, they've done that for years with a lot of actors and actresses. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if that, you know, I, so people can get worked up over things like, oh, January Jones is, is Emma Frost or um, Ryan Reynolds is Green Lantern. Oh, I hated him in, as Deadpool, so therefore I'm going to hate him as Green Lantern. Well, that may be true, but look at all the screaming people who mm-hmm. think that Ryan Reynolds is a good actor. And he's pretty solid. And they're going to go see that movie maybe just because of him. Or why do so many people go see Sandra Bullock in movies? Because they like Sandra Bullock. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, I, I mean, you're you're starting to get into the action star territory. It's like right. Bruce Willis is Bruce Willis in every movie he does. Yes. Wesley Snipes. Yes. Steven Seagal. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I asked that question um, before about the Kevin or Christopher Nolan casting the next Superman. Well, a lot of the time it's just. You know, it's just what people prefer and, and what they like, and that will just completely color their uh, their take on things. I'll, I'll give you an example, kind of bringing it back to Scott Pilgrim. Online, on YouTube, you can find the the song that the Clash of Demon Head performs. It's right. called Black Sheep. Right. And it's by Metric. You can find a version performed by Metric, mm-hmm. and you can find, which is, and a version performed by, quote unquote, the Clash of Demon Head. Um, they're both the exact same song, except the the vocals are different. One mm-hmm. is Emily Hain and one is the actress from the movie. And on both uh, videos, you will find somebody saying, this movie or this video effing sucks. Yeah, Emily yeah. Hain is the bestest ever. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. on the other one, the same thing. Right. Uh, you know, or whatever. Um, and they are the exact same song. Like, nothing about the instru- instrumentation is different, or nothing about it is different enough. Right. It's just that because people prefer another one, they think that this one is crap. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's the same song. And it's just a slightly different take on it. That's why I hate remakes. Yeah. You know, 
the what is that the suburbia versus rear window uh-huh oh, it makes no sense why you want to do that when there's not enough of a difference between the two stories like the songs to where why rehash why redo why you know why do these things doesn't make sense to me except I th- that i think can, you just proved my point amazingly no 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 except that we can people like shia labeouf and we can get people into seats to see that movie right right yeah so uh larry king boston hello steven matthew rodrigo I was wondering what are your thoughts on foreign films? Movies with subtitles should be something comic book fans would eat up. We look at pictures with text, so why can't we read subtitles on great films that aren't made in America? Matthew Go. What? <laughs> I'm not following that logic at all. Well, My thoughts all, on foreign films. What are your films? thoughts on foreign films? I like them. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, all the Godzilla rubber suit movies and um, uh, Emmanuel in in versus the Vampire's Curse is good. Foreign movies have an inherent problem in American audiences in that I feel like we don't like to read in the films. Well, we we go to the movies to tune out, not to force ourselves to do right. work. And honestly, there is an inherent issue with if you're listening to someone talk and you don't understand what they're saying, it is kind of hard to read that translation on the screen and have it mean something. Even if it's, you know, like translated Japanese hentai movies, it's difficult for you to achieve the same level of cognizance, I guess, the same, you know, attachment to the material if you're having to read a translation of it than if you're hearing somebody say it in that immediate sense. It would be like, you know, if you and I were speaking, you were speaking Swahili and I was speaking French, we're having this discussion. Even if we both understand one another, Rodrigo would sit in the room and he might not, you know, he might not understand both of us or he might understand part of half of it. You know, it's, there's an issue with accessibility of language. As for me, I'll watch anything. I love just running through the channels. I don't go to the movies, but I have 500 channels of cable. Mm-hmm. And I like to see those weird things. What was it in college? We we had some class where we watched um, Les Yous Son Visage. Well, you know, we watched and the... Like, um, Francois Truffaut's 400 Blows. Yeah, and we watched... Um, what's the one? Uh, Battleship Ing- Ingmar Bergman, Bergman's... Um, what is the seven that? seal seven, yeah. seven seal i mean we watched the seven all those seal films. yeah and that's fine i just uh you know uh i mean i like i like foreign films but i think the reason why people don't like watching a lot of heavily subtitled stuff is because it becomes to put a wear on it now i'm focusing on reading the words and comprehending the words and translating that words and at the same time, I'm missing something that's going on on the screen because I'm I'm reading on the lower right hand of the corner of the screen and something's happening on the upper left hand corner of the screen. And if you're in a big theater, right. that could be a big, and, a big deal. And there is also, you know, I'm going for the hat trick here. The third Saturday in a row of us using the phrase zeitgeist, a movie made in Japan in 2004 is going to have influences of Japan in 2004. So if I see it in America in 2010 with subtitles, A, I may not necessarily be a part of that whole thing. It's a a six-year-old movie, for one. But then there's also the question of how much of that film, how much of the tone, how much of, you know, the, the 
intangibles of that movie, the things that you get just from watching it and absorbing it are based on knowing what it's like to live in Japan in 2004. And, you know, Mm -hmm. am I going to be able to pick up on little things like, you know, well, uh, the example that, that always comes up that we mentioned repeatedly, that moment in dances with wolves where we are so aware of what Fort Hayes, if that is indeed Fort Hayes is like that it pulls us out of the film because it's not Right. 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 That would never happen to people who've never been to Fort Hayes. And I wonder how much of the movie can be lost without that, you know, that subtext, that understanding well, of the cultural thing. Mr. Rodrigo, time Hello. to bring you into this equ- equation. Mm-hmm. Uh, being someone from another country, mm-hmm. now American citizen, mm-hmm. you've had the pleasure Ohio? of watching. You've had pr- the pleasure of watching uh, movies in Mexico that were American movies, m- American movies with American actors dubbed with uh, with voice actors. Mm-hmm. So that they speak Spanish. Yes. Does that work or not work for you? It, oh, it it works just fine, assuming it's done well. I mean, it is another step in the process. Right. Um, the One of my favorite movies ever is The Jungle Book. Like, Disney's mm-hmm. The Jungle Book. But mm-hmm. I like it better in Spanish. Really? Because there was this group of actors who were popular actors in Mexico who got hired to dub The Jungle Book... And they throw a whole lot more stuff into it than is actually there. Oh, you have okay. to think, like, there are references to jazz. There are all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, the vultures are English. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. But you can't have that in Mexico because nobody knows what an English accent looks like right, right. or sounds like. Right. Um, so you can have them have an actual British accent in Spanish, mm-hmm. but then you wouldn't be able to tell them apart from Americans because anybody who speaks English is going to have a different uh, or a similar kind of crunch to their Spanish. Right. Um, so actually, the vultures, each vulture is from a different country in Latin America. Ah, okay. So there's a Cuban vulture, uh-huh. there's a Argentinian vulture, and that's just the way it is. And it's hilarious. There's there's actually a Spanish vulture as well. So it's it's hilarious to hear them talk and to have all these ridiculous accents. And they're kind of, they're actually mild stereotypes. Right. And it ends up working even though the original intent in English was not that at all. So what if, uh, what if you had watched The Jungle Book in English with subtitles? Would it have lost everything for you? No. Um, well, first off, I first watched it so young that <laughs> yes. I actually couldn't read. Yeah, right. Um, you know, subtitles are something that you can definitely get used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think American audiences aren't used to subtitles and thus right. automatically reject it, except for Americans who, or that core of Americans who like anime, mm-hmm. because voice acting in anime has traditionally been so bad, right? or given so little thought that it's just slap, translate, get anybody who will voice it for you, put it out on the market... People prefer their anime with subtitles, yes. even if they understand zero Japanese. Like, right. I had friends in college who actually did understand Japanese and preferred to watch it with subtitles, partially because they were um, otaku jerkwads, but also <laughs> partially because they understood Japanese right. and wanted to kind of Practice read along. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and that's, you know, bringing up the anime is, is a good point because I was going to say that uh, one of my favorite anime movies of all time mm. is Laputa Castle in the Sky. Right. It came out in 1986. I didn't see it until 2005, I believe. 
mm-hmm. fell in love with it instantly because no hadn't wouldn't couldn't have been in two thousand five had to been like in two thousand two um friend from uh from uh, Brazil said, mm-hmm. oh Stephen, you have to watch this and he gave it to me in Japanese with English subtitles mm-hmm. watched it fell in love with the story now flash forward to um had to have been two thousand five or something like that when John Lasseter decides to disney that yeah. and give it an English um, cast. voiceover cast with um, Dawson's Creek mm-hmm. boy in there, doing the voice of the main boy. Watched it. I've got it in the English version. Totally hate that version of the movie yeah. because it's not the same movie as the one that I saw in the subtitles. Yeah. So even Cowboy Bebop, I would prefer to watch that in the subtitles than... Something else, and and it can really b- go both ways. I mean, look, Cowboy Bebop is a great example mm-hmm. because you look at Faye, mm-hmm. and to a Japanese audience, what is sexy in a woman's voice is for it to be actually kind of girly and high pitched and right. very feminine, right? Um, or you know, the femininity I guess goes both ways. But um, in to an American audience, they want this like low breathy voice, mm-hmm. and so her voice sounds completely different from the Japanese, right? To the English, right? Now, in regards to just foreign films in general, I like subtitled films if it's in that in, in the original language. Amelie is one that Larry King points out as one of his favorite movies, one mm-hmm. of my favorite foreign films as well. Just I don't know if either of you guys have seen that. Have you guys seen Amelie? Do you like it? No, is that really? the one with but the girls. Just personally, I didn't like it. Oh, okay. What? What'd you say, Matthew? Yeah, that's the one with the girl who wanders bit. around trying to get people in love, and then. Realizes she has no idea what love's all about, bloody blue. Yes, yes. It's a romance. It's a, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, I saw it originally another... in the theater on a Christmas, or either Christmas Eve or a New Year's Eve, with a bunch of other people. Sat there, watched it, loved it, had to read every bit of it, you know, be- became a big champion of that of that yeah. movie. Other people have watched it, don't like it, because they said it, too much reading. Well, likewise, and, and I'll just throw this out real quick, rewind the podcast about 20 minutes the this my same rant applies you know foreign is not a genre right right, right. ringu and amelie <laughs> right are not right right in right. any way a similar movie right it's just what people not? them into they are what about the scene not. where amelie comes out of the tv and starts killing people with her psychic powers Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot. About, see, no, that was when, when they brought it to the United States. They cut that scene, Matthew. Well, but I think, again, people love oh, in the foreign bastards. film as anything other non-English speaking. Right. Right. But I love the uh, part where she pants- said, she flip flop tippling foigen. Yeah, the, fi- the part where she fights the fawn from uh, Pan's Labyrinth. That was fun. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Do you, he goes on with this other this other part of the question, which I think through you, Matthew. Movies with subtitles should be something comic yes. book fans would eat up because we look at pictures with text. So why can't we read subtitles on great films that aren't made in America? Oh, I know why. I can tell you that. We'll, we'll have Matthew tell. Rodrigo, you go first. Okay. the The reason for that, and and I'll point at at a great example, which is Ang Lee's Hulk, is that. In comics, text replaces sound. Right. Just like panels replace time. You know, mm-hmm. the, one of the things that really annoyed me about Ang Lee's Hulk is that they had panels, but they, it wasn't like this is like a simultaneous view from different panels, which is not what comic book panels do. Likewise, subtitles, you are hearing sound. Right. It's just translating it for you. So you don't, 
if the movie was a silent movie, mm-hmm. that's something that maybe by this logic, comic book fans would be happier with than subtitles. Subtitles actually create more dissonance. Oh yeah, that's what I was saying. Because you, your what you're reading, is, yeah, exactly. and you're being distracted from the the picture that's going on in real time. So, like I said, if you're down at the bottom right. right-hand corner of the screen and something happens on the upper left-hand corner of the screen, you're going to miss it. In a comic book, you're looking at something that's static. Yep. I can go in, and what I always do right. is I give a general scan of the page, and then I go in and read each individual word balloon, and then I look at them in context, and then if I want to, if I'm interested in what's going on, I might spend a little bit more time on the art in that page, examining in it, looking at it, looking for little clues or hints or little inside bits that may have been added in by the by the artist, and then it's on to the next panel. In film, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. If you miss something, you miss it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's unless you, you have a rewind it. button, it takes, you've missed it. And when you're reading text in a panel, it takes as long as it takes. If Rodrigo reads 200 words a minute and I read 10 you know, we read that same issue of giant size, astonishing ultimate Wolverine, and we can enjoy it in our own way, in our own path. Whereas if Rodrigo, let's say Rodrigo and I go to a movie that's in Spanish, and Rodrigo is listening to the people speaking, and I'm sitting there reading my high school Spanish and translating in my head, it doesn't work the same way because Rodrigo is a faster reader than me, but there's no time element of reading that book. So when, you know, Wolverine says 20 minutes worth of dialogue as he's leaping in for the kill, it takes as long as it takes to read. Whereas if that happens in the movie and I have to read 20 minutes of El Wolverine's dialogue, well, Rodrigo is understanding what he's saying as he goes, you know, you kind of lose an element to it. Reading, I, I, I guess to me, reading words, static images, is somewhat contradictory to watching those moving images in other portions of the thing. And if there's a lot of, let's say you watched Moulin Rouge, which is a movie that I saw recently, which is kinetic as all hell, and there's 10 things going on on screen most all the time, and you're trying to also read the translation, you're going to miss so much of the visual portion of that film that you can't just go back and, you know, flip a page back and read the panel and go, oh, El Wolverine is attacking El Sabertootho, and then I can go back and see what's going on with the story. So what threw me wasn't, you know, the assessment that images and words could be juxtaposed like that. It was the implication that a movie with subtitles and you know, a comic book showing that juxtaposition of words and pictorial images is comparable, perhaps, it, it, but and, certainly and not it, an And it really isn't. The, the, the rejection that audiences have and the rejection that American audiences have to movies with subtitles uh, is not really comparable to the comic book experience, yeah, and it's not really comparable to either. pretty much almost anything. It is kind of its own thing and i'm sure that it stems from other things for example that you know usually you can watch awesome movies that don't have any subtitles you know Mm -hmm. if you come from a country like mexico um there are fantastic movies that have been made in mexico but if you get one awesome movie a year that's already pushing it most movies that are made are not that great they're kind of the same comedy over and over again Mm -hmm. and you know, or the same action movie over and over again, which, you know, you might say you also get that in the United States, but then you also get your Oscar winners and your breakout comedies and your cult classics along with it. Right. So everything you watch either comes from the United States or Europe or Japan Mm -hmm. 
and it's all subtitled. Mm-hmm. You know, the the really big name things, the big Hollywood and everything Disney ever does gets translated because a lot of those companies have their own translators and they're interested in the Latin American market. Right. So they will actually go out and spend the money to get that translated and distributed. Yeah. Otherwise, it's all in subtitles and you just kind of get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you get used to it very easily because like I said, when I lived in Cal- Cal- California, um, a lot of my weekends were spent at the movie theater watching foreign films, international mm-hmm. films uh, with subtitles. Um, whether that be the really popular ones that, that made it big, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or something, you know, smaller and something that people didn't know about. I think part of the problem with, uh, saying shouldn't comic book readers just fall all over themselves for subtitled films, um, also has to do with, well, where do you get subtitled films from? Yeah. And quite frankly, Unless you live along the uh, a big me- uh, metropolitan area, a big metropolitan area that has a lot of culture and mixed culture, you're probably not going to get a lot of international movies in the theater. Yeah. Unless there's an art house. Um, and you need a pretty much a gigantic city for an art house to survive nowadays. Right. I mean, even the uh, even in Lawrence, the Liberty Hall barely makes it mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes. Um so we're not seeing a lot of international films like we used to see a lot of international films. And so for most of America, they don't have exposure to the international film unless they see it at the Netflix or their local blockbuster, if those are still even open by and, the time you hear this. And not to mention the uh, what's something that we've touched on before, which is the natural, just relentless you know, for lack of a better word, cock blockery that goes on. Yes. To just keep <laughs> foreign films and foreign material yes. out of the United States because, because? The, the companies that produce it here are so tense about it. Unless it's something that they themselves go out and bring and well, then change okay. and I was put, gonna say Yeah, go ahead. And go put ahead. Regis Philbin on the yeah. seat instead of someone else. Right. But they don't just allow stuff from the BBC to come over unless you're PBS, and even then that hasn't been working out so well right. lately. Yeah, I was going to say that's the exact same reason why we don't see a lot of that is because Hollywood wants to make it themselves. Yeah, and, and American get Idol. themselves the money, because yeah. why would you yeah, why, why would, would you I just pay? let somebody else in to yeah. make money I mean, when you can a, do it yourself? There's a huge series on right now on uh, ABC during the summer. It's something where you jump over spinning things and you have to do all these... It's, it's uh, essentially... Like, what is it called? Splashdown? I forget yeah, what it's called. Um, it's, it's Maximum Extreme Challenge yes. is what it is. Yes, exactly. And it's just like people are watching that and tripping all over themselves. And I'm like, uh, you know, you can flip over to this channel and you can see the original show. Well, and sometimes when a show is so badass that it mm-hmm. actually, it'll actually punch through like Maximum Extreme Challenge. That although, you know, usually it's for kind of a fringe audience. Iron Chef. Right. Um, Ugly Betty. Yeah. Like the original version yeah. was actually screened American in the United Idol, States for a while. So you think you can dance. America's Got Talent. Um, Big Brother. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Uh, who Wants to Be a Millionaire. All, I mean, every, every reality link. show, every reality show that we have all in the family, popular are all Sanford from and Son. international. Sanford and Son, yep. International sources. And that's kind of a, like you said, that's Doctor a big kind of block. Yeah. Yep. They're apparently doing an American version of Torchwood. That should be yes, interesting. Yes, they are starting a production. Uh, but I believe it's going to have Jack is uh, is in it, as well as the girl character. I forget what her name was. Oh, really? Yeah. Is she going to try to fake when, an American accent, or is she actually going to be Welsh? I don't know how they're going to handle that, because she's not actually Welsh. American. 
Yeah, but she's not. Eve Miles is actually faking a Welsh accent. Hmm. And I'm not even sure that they're even going to reference the original. Or I could be wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Which could be problematic for people that are trying to be in continuity. So, you know, as far as uh, I don't know if we've even answered Larry King's question. I think we have. (laughs) I think we have, but we've answered it in No, you're crazy. What's that? He's not crazy. I mean, Larry makes a good point, but it's a point that it's difficult to support because of the inherent differences between, you know, the film and the static image. But, yeah, I see his point. I don't necessarily – I would not call myself a foreign film buff, but I wouldn't say I hate him. And when a foreign film comes around that's really interesting to me or somebody says something that's like, hey, you know, this is really awesome. And it reminds me of that Monkey's single porpoise song from 1967. I'm like, dude, I'm so let's go watch it. You know, and it turns out to be Saw 5 or something. Whatever happens, happens. So I, I think that people don't like foreign film because they don't get it. And sometimes when people don't get it, they say they don't like it and it's easy to mistranslate i don't understand this to i don't like it it makes it didn't make sense it's kind of like um well maybe it's people trying to hide i don't want to say everyone's stupid but it's people trying to hide their ignorance i don't understand it therefore i don't like it it's kind of reminds me of this uh, movie from i don't know in the 80s about some truck driver who couldn't read and every time he'd go into a Mm -hmm. restaurant he would never he would look at the menu briefly and say, oh, just give me a hamburger because the only places he would eat would always have a hamburger on the menu. And people would say, oh, wouldn't, don't you rather have a steak? Wouldn't you rather eat something different? Wouldn't you rather have this? Oh, no, no, no. I'll just have a, a hamburger. Well, and yes, that's that's part of it. And, and the other thing is also people are just used to hamburgers. Like because no foreign films ever make it in, no one ever, you know, puts the time in to figure out how to watch a movie successfully with subtitles mm-hmm. or watch a movie that has well, a slightly different sensibility. it's hard to watch a movie with chopsticks. Right. You, know, um, you have to put them in your hands. It doesn't work. But, but most movie theaters will actually have forks behind the counter if you just ask for one. What I'm saying is it's, you know, as kids, people aren't shown foreign films. Right. So they grow up never watching a foreign film. Right. Maybe when they're teenagers, they get to watch one, and that's like the seminal moment in which they decide, I love foreign cinema, or I hate foreign cinema, and then from there on out, they've already made up their mind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, since in the United States, you don't get that constant flux, that's like saying, that's like somebody saying, well, I hate action movies. Mm -hmm. There's probably an action movie out there that you like, even if it's a kid's action movie, or if it's a action-y romantic comedy or something like that. Okay. You know. All right. We're going to change the subject again. Okay. You're going to go see uh, Back to the Future when it's digitally re-released into the theaters, October 25th, 2010? Probably not. How come? Because... Financial reasons? Yes, or because, just because you don't like that movie? And oh, no, why no, no, don't no. you like Back to the Future, Rodrigo? I didn't say that. <laughs> I also didn't say that I was glad that they canceled Legends of the Dark Knight. What? Um, you Have you stopped beating your wife yet, Rodrigo? I, I, what? No, what? <laughs> I um, thought we were asking questions and it's impossible <laughs> to answer without sounding wrong one way or the other. I, uh, does your mom know you're gay? That was a, that was a good one. Um, it, it really stumps a lot of people giving you enough of a chance to run away from bullies. Um, no, what? No. Where'd he go? Wait, what? Yep. Um, no, I won't. I, I own the uh, Back to the Future trilogy in, mm-hmm. in DVD. 
Um, I probably won't buy it on Blu-ray until I absolutely 100% have to. You know, I, I um, for some reason, and I don't know why HBO is either HBO or Cinemax or Showtime. One of the HD channels actually ran HD versions of uh, the Back to the Future trilogy about two years ago. And man, it looks really good in HD. Of course, they've cleaned up a lot of the effects stuff, um, which kind of makes that movie special. Um, but yeah, I think I'm probably going to end up buying that on Blu-ray. I probably won't go see it in the theater. Matthew, did you go see uh, Star Wars when it was when they had its uh, what is it thirtieth anniversary or whatever twentieth anniversary? I don't remember. It's been released like six in times in my life. I've seen it twice in the theater. I saw it. Um, well, let's put it this way: I saw the digital Ronti, so I've seen it at some point when they re-released it, okay. and then I, I saw it in seventy-seven. Back to the Future. I'm not going to see it, but the reason why is because I saw it on. November 25th, 1985, or whatever the date was yeah, in Doc's 25th. time machine. Yeah. That's the night that I was watching the movie, and I'm not going to ruin that synchronicity. Very cool. What about, uh, what do you guys think of uh, the Star Wars films coming to Blu-ray? Don't care. Don't care? Why not? I'm not even a Star Warsy. What do you call them? I mean, I'm you not a Trekker them- either, but... You call them Darth Vaderites. <laughs> Calrissians, I think, is All what right. they like to be called. I'm not I'm not a Calrissian, I'm not a Cal Ripken Jr. I'm 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 not a nerf herder. But I own <laughs> three different versions of the original trilogy. Three different versions. Why? I don't know, but I do. And I'll tell you what, I haven't actually watched them in probably five years. However, I do occasionally watch something, something, something dark side, um, which to me is kind of what Star Wars has become. Much as we said on Wednesday about Days of Future Past, anymore, it's more meaningful as a cultural touchstone than as an actual movie. And every time I watch it, I'm more reminded of the things that other people mock and, you know, that have become running gags. I can't watch Star Wars anymore without hearing Ponda Baba getting fired from his job as a sketch artist after uh, Ben cuts off his hand in Robot Chicken. Right. Or, you know, I, I can't see the scene where the Millennium Falcon escapes the giant uh, penis beast without hearing Seth Green trying to order out for Chinese. Yeah. You know, it, it's come to the point now. Well, Star Wars was it, it was important to me, but it was never my big movie for me that was always the black hole you know and so i i can take it or leave it i don't own a blu-ray device per se i have a ps3 i guess but you know i don't don't have an i don't think i'm gonna go out and buy a fourth copy okay sure i do same well define what i have i i've i've bought all of the star wars movies Mm -hmm. um except for the new cg all cg one yeah um, and I got the ones that had for the original trilogy that had both versions, the, yeah. their, the changed version and the original See, that's theatrical the problem. version. That's the problem though, is these Blu-ray ones are not going to have the which original is, which theatrical. Is, which is one of the many, many reasons why I'm not going out to buying it. The The main one being I already have them. Yeah. Um, I only have one Blu-ray device, which is my laptop. Computer, yeah. Um, and if I'm going to watch a movie, I usually watch them in my desktop, which only has DVD capabilities. Ah, okay. Um, 
so you know i already have them this is just like oh here's a new magical version of star wars i already have it i've already seen it um new movies like i might think about for example when it comes out getting scott pilgrim on Mm blu-ray you know because i liked it it was fun you know i still don't have iron man 2 i haven't gone out and, and bought it even though i'd like to have it is it already out? i don't think it's out yet oh it's not out yet okay um but when it does, I'll think about getting it on Blu-ray. I have one Blu-ray right now, one Blu-ray disc, right? Um, which is Hulk versus, which is one I bought specifically only to test my Blu-ray player. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But from here on out, I might just start buying Blu-rays because that's where the market's going. Right? Yeah, yeah, or yeah. really, that's where the market has gone to. Right. It's just people are still kind of resisting. Right. Um, but no, I don't feel the need to start replacing my DVD library. Well, with see, and that's Blu-ray. that's part of the interesting thing too, is because unless there's something, I don't care for extras really that much. Because quite frankly, right now I'm not studying film, or I'm not into mm-hmm. needing all the DVD extras or commentary tracks or all of that. You now I've got a kid; we need to sit down and watch that movie. And when the movie's over, it's time to watch something else or go play or do something else. So I don't right. have time to go into all that other stuff. Um. You know, the copy of of uh, the Star Wars films that I have is still on VHS. I don't even think I have a VHS player in the house because it is the ultra widescreen mm-hmm. uh, original version of the film. And that's, you know, I love that. And about every couple of years, I guess it's been probably about seven years since I pulled that VHS machine out to watch that movie in the way it was presented. Again, uh, I think one of the pay cable channels had the star Wars films in HD not too long ago, a year or so ago. Mm -hmm. And they look stunning. And I just might still get them on Blu-ray because I don't think I own them in any other form except for those VHS. And and definitely if you, if you are between two and three iterations behind, like if all you have of star Wars are those laser discs that you bought, um, then maybe it's time to go out and get them on Blu-ray. But I'm, I'm, I don't feel compelled in any way to get any movie that I already have. The power you know, of George like, compels you? You know, if they, like, I don't own, for example, Seven, which I think is a great movie. Yeah. Um, I might get that on Blu-ray. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, I already have on, on DVD. So when it comes out on Blu-ray... Well, and that's the other thing about a lot of the Blu-ray players today is they do an excellent job of up-converting yep. to where it looks really good on an HD projector or an HD screen to where you wouldn't even know a lot of times that you're watching it in, in true yep. HD or if you're watching an up-converted uh, image. Favorite Star Wars film? Favorite Star Wars film. For me, it's... And don't, don't say Black Star Warrior. That doesn't count. Oh, see? <laughs> um, yeah, the Gendy Tartakovsky uh, Clone Wars, definitely. No, um, I don't know. I think it's probably... Probably Return of the Jedi. Why? Um, Fondness for Ewoks? No, it's just... He loves the teddy bear picnic. What I like about it is that it gives us some a little bit more exploration of what the Force can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you obviously see it throughout the movies, but, right. you know, it's like, you know, kind of Darth Vader coming back and the fact that multiple people can turn into ghost Force people mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the Force lightning that the Emperor does and all this other stuff and the fact that it can be overcome is not just like a, you know, it's just like point and click death kind right, of thing. Right, right, You know, um, there's just a lot of interesting treatment of the force in it. Um, as well as, you know, just like a very, 
just an excellent example, like despite all the ninja teddy bears, mm-hmm. um, of a fight, like an action sequence that encompasses multiple fights on multiple planes. You know, space right, battle, right. like teddy bear versus robot fight and tense standoff between two Jedi in which they're actually not fighting, but it makes you feel very tense. Right, right, right. Um, that's that's probably what I like about it. Okay. Well, also, speeder chase. Yeah, there's like speeder motorcycles chasers in speeder that one. Chase. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, do you watch Star Wars Clone Wars? The No, I, I haven't had a, oh, a chance to really to watch, watch it. it. That's an excellent series. My son loves it. Season three, they're actually going to look more. I think I saw a blurb from somebody this past week that said, uh, if you think you know the Force, watch season three, and it'll change the way you think about the Force. See that and all that, the other films that makes me really not want to watch. It, it may actually enhance because you There's, know Lucas has his hands now in Clone Wars. Yeah, so he, he yeah he had his hands in the prequels, and oh, that ruined true. a lot of the Force for us. <laughs> um, Midichlorians didn't explain it to you. They don't exist. Um, <laughs> the uh, of course they do. They said it right there in the film. It's awesome. I, actually, a, a friend of mine. Uh, was kind of making fun of Star Wars fanfic, and he created this character who was a Jedi Hut, uh-huh. um, and he was like telling me about it, and it's like he during the Jedi he actually escaped the Jedi purge because he was tested for Metaclorians, like Darth Vader tested him, and he's like your your Metaclorian count is too high, and he argued that Metaclorians were stupid and didn't exist. Darth Vader couldn't come back from that, <laughs> and that's how he escaped. <laughs> And really, that's kind of the problem with the Star Wars universe. And and I include, you know, all of the, all of the non people in the movies is that right. they come up with new things, and they're just to a certain extent testing them out. But you can't take them back, right? You know, like when it's like books and the cartoons and the droids TV show, you can say, well, that's like C level canon, mm-hmm. but still. That's that's still a speck of something in my Star Wars universe, and I don't particularly want, you know, the the potentially Jedi can destroy planets with their mind right. or even heal people, mm-hmm. for that matter. Because if Jedi are clerics, then they're not Jedi anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've always had a fondness for, and always will still always be my favorite is uh, A New Hope, mm-hmm. where Han shoots first. There's something just epic and big about that yes. journey. I mean, it you know is what? the journey. If you call it a new hope, you're not a real fan. It's called what? Star Wars, by God. Watch it. Well, but if you if I said, oh, I like the first Star Wars film. Well, I'm not talking about The Phantom Menace. Right. It's called Star Wars, A New Hope. Yeah, the chapter's called A New Hope. I yes. think that's reasonable. So, yes, I like the 77 I- version. It's what it's called, Matthew. It actually is right there in the scrolling credits at the beginning. Look, go back to the go back and get your copy from the Androids Dungeon. We'll sit down and we'll watch it. <laughs> uh, just something epic and big about that, and it does. It does kickstart. I mean, it it just kickstart the series in such a fantastic yeah. way that yeah. And it still has that as we were talking last week about that specific that grit look that I like. It's got that in spades. So, mm-hmm. Matthew, what about you? You got a favorite Star Wars film? Empire. How come? Empire Empire is at the point where the universe is established, so they don't have to waste time on world building or establishing why Vader is a badass. This is a man who destroyed a planet with nothing more than a Grass Valley, you know, television switcher. This is, it's dark, it's downbeat. Yeah, it's, it may be slicker in terms of production, but it takes the characters new places. And it, you know, it breaks up the existing dynamics of Star Wars. 3PO and R2-D2 spend the whole movie apart. 
yeah. Luke is off having his little adventure with, with a Muppet. And then, you know, we have all these interesting new things that come up. It's also the one that I really liked. Um, I used to have a twin pod cloud car when I was a kid and I couldn't figure out who could actually steer the thing, but that's neither uh, here nor there. I like all right. the, I like the ending of it. I like the, you know, the big reveal spoilers. He's his father. What? But I no! also, I think it's what, good to see the character throat. in that middle stage of his journey. Where, you know, he's no longer the farm boy, but he's not yet a Jedi master and he has to make hard decisions and it may mean the end of everything, but it really sets up the whole point of the Star Wars trilogy for me. And you know what that point is? Yoda was wrong. Because yep. Yoda always, al- always told Luke, give up your emotions, give up your ties, give up your friends, give up your life, give up everything that you know, and then become a Jedi and live in a box. And Luke didn't do that. He wouldn't do that. He couldn't do that. And still, at the end of the six movies, he is the beginning of a new kind of Jedi. He is a Jedi who is actually a functional human being or Tatooine being as well as being a Jedi. And it's really underlined if you if you watch the prequel and listen to everything that Yoda says, because Yoda is wrong throughout all three of those first movies. All the way through, Yoda's like, mmm, we should not get involved. Mmm, he is too old. Mmm. And every single thing he says is essentially disproven. And it comes to that moment where Luke Skywalker says in the third movie, I am a Jedi like my father before me. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll note that up until that moment, his father was known to the Jedi as their greatest failure because he couldn't give up his life, his emotional ties. And then he did. And then look what happened. He turned into a mass-murdering fuckhead. So, uh, you know, it, I think it's a thing about balance. And I don't know if Lucas intentionally put that in there to where it, so. takes the, it takes the character who can balance that Jedi, you know, living in a cave, Spartan aesthetic with actual human emotion and bring it together and, you know, combine the, the monk and the ninja into one super awesome laser sword fighting guy. But short, long story short, Empire, if only for the sequence where Harrison Ford supposedly ad-libs, I know. Yep. One of the, one of the greatest moments in movie history right there, I know. All right, cool. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us this week. We're out of time, and I am super dead tired. Been up too late this week. Uh, so we're going to cut it there, and we will be back on uh, Tuesday to talk Lone Wolf and Cub Volume 1. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you next time. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers.
If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven, it's like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Being in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Podcast Copyright 2010